It's been nearly two months since Russia invaded Ukraine. For one family from Kyiv, the invasion threatened the life and health of their elderly father. So they left to get him to safety. On this week's AJ Long Reads, Lives Derailed, Fleeing Ukraine War Destroyed My Father's Health. This story was written by Zoe Osborne and read by me, Laura Lockwood. It was 5 a.m. on February 24th when Sergei got the first phone call from a friend in Kharkiv. They told us that they're under bombing attack. Sergei pauses, recalling the day Vladimir Putin's forces invaded Ukraine. He and most of his family were in their hometown, Kyiv, at the time. But as the war raged on, fighting, gripping the country, slowly casting its shadow from east to west, they were forced to flee. From a hotel in Ostro-Mazovietska, a small Polish town 100 kilometers, 62 miles north of Warsaw, he and his sister Oksana share their story with Al Jazeera via video call and text. Sergei left Ukraine with his father, his wife, and his wife's mother. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world in Melbourne, Australia, Oksana could only watch as they drove for days to escape the conflict. As the family traveled, their 84-year-old father, Ole's health, dramatically declined. When they finally made it to safety across the border, Oksana flew to Poland to meet them. Remembering the first day of the invasion, Oksana says, I was in Melbourne, at work. I met for lunch with colleagues. Then, as I came back from lunch, I looked at the news and there were four explosions in Kyiv. She immediately rang Sergei and her other relatives in Kyiv. At first, Sergei made the choice to stay put. There was bombing, alarms every half an hour, he says, adding that he and his wife made a bed in the bathroom. Oksana explains that the room was on the outer edge of their apartment, next to the thicker external walls, so they felt that it would be safest if the apartment got shelled. For the biggest part of the day, we were in the bathroom and just went out to prepare some food or to eat quickly, because we didn't know what was going to happen next, Sergei says. Ole, Sergei and Oksana's father, is retired, and two strokes in 2020 and 2021 have left him disabled and wheelchair-bound. In Kyiv, he lived in his own apartment, with two dedicated carers attending to his daily needs. During the first week of the war, there were a couple of times when the carer on shift would leave Ole's flat to buy supplies and get stuck outside, hiding from an air raid, Oksana says. Our dad was on his own in the corridors waiting for her to come. When the carers said they had to return to their own families, Sergei knew he had to get his father out of Kyiv. I didn't arrange anything before because... I believe that the carer will stay with father and everything will be okay, that the war will be finished in a couple days, Sergei says. But then I understood that there's no medical service for my father, and we have to do something. He remembered that Ole's older sister in Latvia had invited him to stay there a couple of years ago. So Sergei called her, and she agreed to help find aged care for her brother, near to her. At age 87, his aunt couldn't help much more than that but it was enough for Sergei. On March 14th at 7 a.m., immediately after the nightly 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. curfew in Kyiv ended, we came to Father's flat and started to collect all the things that we need during this trip, Sergei says. Father felt very weak. He could hardly do one step to turn around to help me to place him on the back seat. Therefore, I had to drag him from the saloon of the car like a sack of potatoes, he remembers. They had just one car, says Oksana. And luckily they had a car because some people didn't even have that. They packed it to the brim, 
My dad, his wheelchair, his portable toilet, a few of his clothes, and then they had a little dog as well. It was like Noah's Ark. As they left, the Russian front line was approaching the northern suburbs of Kiev. The highway which leads from Kiev to Lviv was about to be occupied by the Russians, Oksana says. My husband was very anxious to pass on the news that, do you know they can't take this highway? They need to take a highway that goes to the south, and then they need to somehow bypass the Russian forces and go north. In the end, Sergei took a route that went through Lviv to the west. From there, he intended to continue driving through Hungary, Slovakia, Poland, and Lithuania to reach Latvia. The journey was difficult. Our trip started, the road was quite empty and looked as usual. Only some blog posts reminded us about war in the country, Sergei says. The biggest problem which we had during this trip was the absence of fuel, and huge queues of cars to get fuel, he says, explaining that petrol was being rationed at filling stations. They could only buy 10 or 20 liters, 2.6 to 5.2 gallons, at one time, so had to fill up at least two to three times to get a full tank. To stay in queues for one hour, or one and a half hours to be fueled up, it was... Very scary, because we didn't know if there was still petrol left in this gas station or if we would have enough petrol to get to our finish point, he adds. But the journey was the hardest for Ole, Sergei says. For our father, it was an extremely big problem to go out from the car to relieve himself, he says. They bought him adult nappies to help, but he refused to use them. Oksana says their father had a few accidents in the car along the way. And when they finally reached their first stop, a refugee facility about 60 kilometers from Lviv, he had to be washed fully. Every night, we had to wash him and our bed, Sergei adds. Before they decided to leave Ukraine, Sergei's wife Natasha had also asked her parents, who live in Kharkiv, to join them. Her father chose to stay, but her mother came by train to Lviv and met them in the refugee facility there. She was looking after our dad in terms of washing and everything, says Oksana. The facility outside Lviv was an old building that had been rebuilt at the beginning of 2021 to become the central office of a local factory. Part of this office was changed. Furniture was brought out and they put back beds for people, Sergei says. Oksana says the beds were Soviet-style with metal netting. It's almost like a hammock made out of metal, and you're supposed to put your mattress, your cotton mattress, on it. But they're still quite uncomfortable because they sag. The residents were welcoming, Sergei says. They brought all the stuff which we need. They even brought boxes with food and some stuff like toothbrushes and some clothes. People invited us with a very high level of hospitality. The next step in their journey was to arrange a certificate to prove that Ole was disabled so that Sergei could cross the border with him as his carer. Under Ukrainian rules, all men aged 18 to 60, with a few exceptions, face mandatory conscription and must stay behind and fight. But it would have been impossible for their father to go any further without Sergei, Oksana explains, as the two women couldn't have coped with dad in this condition. In the end, they chose to leave Ukraine through Romania, as it was said that Ukrainian border guards on the Romanian border were less strict, and people could accept my documents to release me from Ukraine, Sergei explains. They were right. He was allowed to safely cross into Romania, and the family continued on their way. But the long, arduous journey had taken its toll on Ole. His health was deteriorating quickly. He ate almost nothing and was looking weak, says Sergei. The turning point came at 1 a.m. on March 15th when they crossed into Poland. 
Ole had slipped down in his seat to the point where he was almost lying down. I suggested to stop at a gas station and help him to sit correctly, but he refused. In ten minutes, he started to cry and asked to call an ambulance. His body started shaking. They stopped at a gas station near Ostra Matsovietska, and Sergei ran inside a shop to ask someone to call an ambulance. The young girl behind the counter couldn't understand me, but a man who was in this shop asked me in the Ukrainian language what happened and translated. This man was a Ukrainian truck driver who stopped in the gas station to refuel his car, Sergei recounts. The ambulance came in just five minutes, he says. Paramedics put Ole onto a stretcher and began running tests in the ambulance. After another ten minutes, they told the family that he would have to be taken to the hospital. After waiting about one hour, the receptionist called me and informed me that we have to stay for most, probably several days, says Sergei. It was 3 a.m. by then, in a tiny town with few hotels, so Sergei asked some locals to help them find a place to stay, and they soon found a hostel. The room was dirty, the linen wet, the bathroom had dirty equipment, and it was cold, Sergei says. They decided not to use the bathroom and covered their pillows with their own towels or blankets. The next day at the hospital, they were informed that Ole had COVID-19 and would have to stay in hospital for at least another five days. We had a limited amount of money and couldn't afford a hotel or even a hostel, Sergei says. So I left my mobile phone number for urgent calls and we went to Italy, Piacenza City, where we were met by our business partner, Luca. They stayed with Luca in Italy while Ole remained in hospital. But when they returned to Poland, the doctor told Sergei that Ole was extremely weak and she could not be sure he would recover. Sergei asked if he could see his father. The doctor said no, but agreed to arrange a video call. I made a video call to her phone, and she came to Dad's ward, Sergei says. He could say almost nothing, but I mentioned that he recognized me and even tried to make a smile. I was shocked. He was looking much worse than a week before when he was placed into hospital. Because Ole has kidney problems, recovery will be slow, says Sergei. But over the past few weeks, his condition has begun to improve a little. Every following day, he looks slightly better and better, says Sergei. For now, says Oksana, their immediate priority is to be with their father, to ensure that he gets proper medical care. The plan is now to find a good rehabilitation facility for him, either in Poland or Latvia, until it's safe to take him back to Ukraine. Oksana feels for Ole, whose health and pride were so dramatically affected by the war and for other Ukrainians who have had their worlds turned upside down too. His journey exemplifies the reality of fleeing the war in Ukraine, she says, a war that has destroyed or derailed people's lives and has taken away the right for normal, dignified existence. But the war has shown to the whole world how strong Ukrainians are, Sergei says, and showed to Ukrainians who we are and how we can defend our homes and families. For sure, we will come back, right after winning this war, to build the most successful, happiest, and rich country in the world, he says. Our country, Ukraine. Our city, Kyiv. Thank you for listening to this week's AJ Long Raids. Lives Derailed, Fleeing Ukraine War, Destroyed My Father's Health, was written by Zoe Osborne and read by me, Laura Lockwood. Please subscribe to AJ Longreads however you listen to podcasts to get your Sunday lesson. Well, I am here to tell the story so you know how I survived. 
Ever wonder what history's most famous and infamous people would say if you asked them for their side of the story? This is your little playmate. I mean, your bitter enemy, Orphan Anne. Well, this is it. I'm Charles Dance, and you're listening to a new season of Hindsight, a dramatized podcast that resurrects some of the world's most memorable figures by recreating their past. I will be nominated as the first and only female Prime Minister of India. In season three, we take you on a journey to the minds of unforgettable leaders. Knock them out, and you'll win. Methods of a dictator. Namor is leader of the revolution until the end of time. Ingenious inventors. Science takes time. Time and patience and determination. Loyal citizens caught between two worlds. I curse the day I ever got on that ship. These are the stories of their lives, based on documented events and their own words. I am not worried about dying. You've heard of them? I will die as a martyr. But now it's time you hear from them. The one and original Tokyo Rose. People knew me as Marie Curie. Idi Amin Dada, man of wood. Hindsight from Al Jazeera. Subscribe now, wherever you get your podcasts.